Hi, I'm Jordan, and this is uh, my buddy Evan here, and we Hello. are Button Key Games Cast. Uh, we're here to have a beer and talk about some games. I love both of those things. Oh yes. What uh, what beer are you drinking? Uh, I have a Brooklyn Winter Lager. Brooklyn's one of my favorite breweries. Uh, I'm a... and I got this Winter Lager for I think Christmas or something. So. I'm uh, pouring mine in a glass. I like to like to have it, uh, you know, get a little frothy. What are you drinking? I'm uh, I'm keeping it pretty basic today. Just got a Blue Moon Belgian White, one of my go tos. Go tos. Oh, yeah, I really enjoy those. I'm not a, I'm a simple man, you know. I'm the opposite of a simple man. So we're here, I think, to talk about video games as well. Uh, yeah, sounds like a plan. Like a good thing. so uh, I, I think so. Let's get right into it. I've been playing Resident Evil 2. Ooh. Uh, this is my first time playing through Resident Evil 2. This is my okay. second full playthrough of a Resident Evil game in general. My first one was Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. That was my uh, first not- one too. And uh, I actually, actually haven't played Resident Evil 2. So I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about that. It is very impressive. Yeah. Um, I'm not done with my first playthrough. For those who don't know, in Resident Evil 2, you do one playthrough as one character, either Leon Kennedy, rookie cop Leon Kennedy, or Claire Redfield. And then you do a second playthrough and things are slightly different, kind of like seeing the game from the other character's point of view. Uh, It is impressive how good that game looks. Well, I did did get a chance to play the one-shot demo, and I will agree with you there. That game looks great. It's I I wouldn't even believe, honestly, that it was a remake, looking at it. This is definitely a full-on remake rather than, like, just an HD. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, they kind of switched to the over-the-shoulder camera a la Resident Evil 4. Uh, they got rid of the tank controls, which is good. It feels very modern. Yeah. Um, but it still it still feels like it has that like old-school roots, like with the puzzle solving. Uh, it is scary. It is a scary game. Yeah, I definitely uh, got that tense feeling uh, walking through the police station when... Uh... Like when you get through that door where the guy's like gets his body like pulled in half in the demo. No spoilers really because yeah, yeah. it's in the demo. That little area back there. Yeah, I was definitely on my toes. So I think the scary part is they really just Im- immerse you in darkness. Uh, when you're in a dark area. Yeah. All you have is your flashlight. And Dude, and it it's just so dark. Forward. Yes. It's it's so dark. There's no there's barely any seeing on your peripherals. If you want to see anything like lighting thing up you have to put your flashlight on it yes and i think the i think my favorite part of the game so far is it almost feels like a full-on puzzle game like not just you're doing puzzles in the world not just you're finding things to help you solve puzzles but i feel like the zombies in general feel like puzzles because as you go through you can knock zombies out 
but they're not dead all the way. So yeah. you can either use resources like ammo, resources like knives to make sure they're dead, or you can leave them and risk coming back through at a more inopportune time and they'll uh, present more of a challenge. So it's kind of this puzzle game of making sure your pathways are clear because uh, I haven't gotten there yet, but later on in the game, uh, an enemy is introduced who kind of forces you quickly to move through areas. So you... Oh, I've heard about the infamous Mr. X. Mr. X, yeah, Mr. X. It's not really a spoiler. I think people are pretty aware of it, but he's this omnipresent uh, force that walks around the police station and... He just forces you to move quickly. He forces you to be uncomfortable, like opening doors. And that's probably the part I'm most scared of because that, I hate that omnipresent. Yeah. Like, well, you remember, you remember in Resident Evil seven, uh, they kind of did something similar with Jack Baker where he was yeah, like, when you got very, to the mansion in the early game. Yeah, they did that. Uh, I never played the hardcore mode, like the second playthrough of that game. And they said it made him much more intense in hunting for you i didn't either and that's what mr x from what i hear is like but i think that game's amazing uh i'd love to talk about it more when i play more of it but i've put it down to pick up one of my gaming loves and that is kingdom hearts 3 yes kingdom hearts 3 has been a long time coming for me i played the original games back when they came out i played a chunk of the of the spin-off games which aren't really spin-offs anymore cuz they're super important to the story. Yeah. Uh, but when I knew Kingdom Hearts 3 was coming out in the imminent future, I decided to play through 1 and 2 again. I played through a game called Birth by Sleep and I watched a bunch of the cutscenes for the other games just to get caught up and man was it worth it. Yeah. I think one hasn't aged the best. I think there's some stuff in one that's a little weird. Two, I think, is amazing. And three just feels like the perfect extension of two. Yeah. Well, uh, and for the, you, you know, for those who may not know, I, for one, have never played a Kingdom Hearts game in my life. And I, from the outside in, don't really understand the appeal, but I know people adore them. So I'm really, I'm curious to hear what this new one is all about, because it seems to be like all I hear about these days. Uh, Yeah. It's it's done pretty well. A lot of people are playing it. Uh, I think a lot of people might be more curious than anything. Yeah. Uh, but pretty much anybody who has loved Kingdom Hearts in the past has probably finished this game already. Got the, that passion drive. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of the convolutedness that is the story. Yes. Almost everyone I've heard, they say such positive things and then yeah. and they'll say, but I don't. I don't get the story, but the game is so good. And I'm like, I, I just don't get it. That's interesting. I'm gonna have to check it out one of these days. So that's kind of why I redid my uh, playthroughs, because you do have to really pay attention. I think once you're paying attention and you are aware of all the pieces, uh, you're fine for Kingdom Hearts 3. But if you have no clue about Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 3 will be the most confusing thing you will ever see. Yeah. Uh, But on the flip side of that, I think it's very rewarding for people who have stuck with it this long. Um, So I'm not going to bore everybody with the details of the story because I'd have to pull out the red yarn and make a corkboard diagram and look like a (laughs) serial killer, almost (laughs) a crazy person. Um, 
but uh, I do want to talk about the combat a little bit. The combat um, feels great, and it's very spectacle-heavy. It's not uh, as deep as, like, a Devil May Cry or a Bayonetta, anything along those lines. It is action-based RPG, so you are controlling your character's action. Uh, It feels really floaty, which I think some people hate, but I don't mind that much because this game has given you a lot more air control with your weapons. Uh, it's, It's really enjoyable to use the Keyblade and figure out the complexities of how to have it function in combat. And then on top of that, a new thing for this game is the Keyblade transformations. So if you do well enough with the Keyblade, it will have another stage and it'll transform into another weapon. So I'll just talk about the Toy Story Keyblade you get. Um, It starts out as a normal Keyblade and then it switches into a a giant hammer, like a giant rocket hammer. Okay. And then it transforms again again. And it transforms into like a drill staff almost. So your dodge for the drill staff actually turns uh, into you going like under the ground and popping out and hitting them with the drill. So your dodge kind of turns into an attack. So basically you're telling me they incorporated the underminers into this. The underminers. Yeah. Pixar's in this one. I haven't seen any incredible stuff yet. Uh, I don't think it's in there, but the Keyblade transformations really change up the way the combat feels. Because a rocket hammer definitely feels much different than you get. Uh, one of the weapons gives you like gauntlets, like hand claws. So transform into. So so is like the is the combat. Is it? I I seriously know almost nothing about these games yeah. firsthand. So is it like is it kind of like a button mashing thing? Just so I, I can understand, or is it like more like a dodge and calculated kind of attacking? Uh, you can button mash in these games, and that's a. That's a gripe that people have, but when you dig down into the combat and kind of pull out complexities of it, it gets a little more it's technical. Very, it's very rewarding, and you can play on that's what you need to play on the higher difficulties. I'm doing a normal playthrough right now, so it's not crazy because I'm just kind of in it for the spectacle yeah. of everything. Like you can do magic. I'm actually playing as a magic based character, so I'm using magic based keyblades, and it completely plays differently than a melee character, which I think is great because magic in the series is usually kind of useless. Yeah, Um, it doesn't it doesn't function as well as just hitting things. And then there is another stage to your combat called attractions. These are like Disneyland or Disney World rides come to life. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the first times it happens, you're fighting the uh, rock titan from Hercules. and you're hitting you're hitting them and then you get it's called a situation command comes up and you just hit triangle and then a giant train roller coaster that's like all neon and everything rolls into the scene and you you jump on it and then you're kind of doing this like on rail shooter segment with the train to take down the rock titan and it's just such a big spectacle and it's so fun to watch uh, and then they have something like the Buzz Lightyear, like shooter rides at Disney World. They have merry-go-rounds and the pirate ship that swings back and forth. And it's it's all really fun to watch. And I think a smart thing this game does when it comes to those things is there's usually a lengthy cutscene beforehand and you're using them often. 
So you can often get caught up in a bunch of cutscenes. Yeah. Uh, during combat, which can kind of break the immersion, but there are options in the menu to turn off the intros to those cutscenes into like Keyblade transformations that really speed it up and like keep you flowing better. So I'm still playing through that. Uh, I think, I think the world of it right now, it's so fun. It's so fulfilling as a fan of Kingdom Hearts since I was like eight. Yeah. To see this saga come to a close and hopefully moving on to a new saga. I hope this, I hope it continues. And that's probably the best thing you can say about a franchise that's in its like 18th year of games. Well, one of the things I was like, I've been curious about with this game is like, see, as I said, I'm not, you know, a long time kingdom hearts fan. And it feels like a lot of the people who give this game such heavy praise are. So do you think that, without the nostalgia that like somebody who hasn't played them before could like jump in and have a good time. Uh, as a person who has just recently played these games and there is a heavy dose of nostalgia that I play these games with. So take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt, knowing that yeah. I've, I've loved these games for forever. I remember asking for kingdom hearts chain of memories for the game boy advance for Christmas one year is how much like these games mean to me. I think they make it really accessible because right now on PlayStation 4, there is Kingdom Hearts the story so far. Uh, And I think in the pack, it's like four, no, five full games from the series. And then some games they couldn't remake properly, so they just give you the cutscenes. So I think there is a very easy way to get into it. Yeah. I think one might be a hump for some people. One hasn't aged as well as as two. I think two is amazing still. So there's a segment early on in one where you go to this new world called Traverse Town and you're kind of exploring and you don't have your full party yet. Uh, I don't think I mentioned if you didn't know, but your party is like Donald and Goofy from Disney. Okay. And they've been uh, the main character's party since the beginning so you don't have them yet and you're just going around because you you're kind of lost at this point the character is and you have to like trigger cutscenes by going through certain doors certain ways and there's no like order there's no set order in which you go through the doors so you kind of just have to like stumble upon what you're supposed to do and that's just that's just bad game design like hands down Mm. and it doesn't hold up today it probably didn't hold up back when I was a kid, but I was a kid, so I forgave things. Right. And the combat has definitely evolved into something that's more frantic and fun uh, versus one which is, like, very methodical and slow. If you if you go in with an open mind, I think Kingdom Hearts is something that can be enjoyed today. I just think it's it's got so much baggage that comes with it yeah. that it's just a, it's a big ask for someone, especially with all the games coming out that we have right now. So unless you have any more questions, that's Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, I'm very excited to finish that game up. I'm getting near the end, so I'll keep you guys updated on that one. Sounds like you're having a good time with it, which sounds like a lot of people are. It seems like I'm the one missing out. Uh, But anyway, uh, so the Anthem demo. Anthem demo. Did... uh, so you, I think you said that you got a chance to play that played, a little bit. I played like an hour of it. An hour <clears throat> of this... it. I played like 30 hours of it. Really? Yes. I did not know that. That's that's a lot. Yeah, I clocked in about 30 hours on PC. Did you play across? the Anthem demo. Did you play across both demo 
weekends? Yes, I did. Okay. Did they did they fix? Yes, did they get and I sp- those technical bugs fixed. I only played a little bit. They got it. They got it mostly worked out. Okay. There's obviously still some optimization that needs to happen. And yes, we can we can talk about let's uh we can talk about this. Let's talk about the VIP weekend. A lot of people were upset because they paid to get into this VIP exclusive private demo of the game. And you paid with your pre-order. And uh, paid with a pre-order or with uh, EA Access Premiere on PC or Origin Access Premiere on PC and I think EA, EA Access on Xbox. Um, and a lot of people didn't get a chance to play. Um, I did. However, I probably spent about 10 hours sitting in front of my computer hitting enter to make that happen. Mm. Um, it was probably one of the worst, if not the worst launch of anything multiplayer that I've ever been a part of. I can give Bioware a little bit of a break because they haven't ever really done anything on this scale, but in reality, somebody at EA had to have the resources for them to get this right. But, you know, we can talk about that all day. Not that important at the moment. But uh, bottom line is a lot of people were very upset about it. Um, a lot of people hoped the beta would be extended or the demo would be extended. But they didn't do that because obviously they want to get the servers offline so they can get everything fixed. But there was like a 95% loading bug where it would just infinite load and people couldn't get in. There were constant disconnects, having trouble even just getting connected to the server. So it was a whole big thing. It was a lot of work to try and play on the first weekend. But I did get to play probably about four or five, maybe six hours on the first weekend. The second weekend's where it really got, really got rolling. So I just, I just really want to hear your... I'll, I'll ask my questions later, but I want to hear your, your thoughts as a person who did play 30 hours of a beta. Uh, like why you were so... Demo. Demo, yeah. Why you were so... Sorry. <laughs> Why you were so... They get you with that one. All the time, man. Demos, betas, alphas. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> betas are just demos now, right? I think it's how it all shakes out. Yeah. Uh, but 30 hours in a demo is a lot. So what What kept you... <laughs> what kept you playing? Well, so I don't know what it is, man. There's something about Anthem that just feels so good to me. I love flying like Iron Man. It feels so polished. It just, it feels right. Like every way that you would want it to be. Um, and then on top of that, there's just a lot of freshness to it to me, like with the way the abilities feel and the combos and like makes it such a satisfying sound when you land a combo and just, there's so much like synergies you can work with and just the team teamwork. Like if your team's getting combos, it helps your like ultimates charge faster. And it's just a lot of fun. So, I just had a blast with so it. So real quick, if I was a person who hadn't played this game, how do you, how do you land a combo? Uh, so they have uh, primers and detonators. There are two different types of abilities. All the abilities are like, you can like pick up gear that changes the abilities. So they're like kind of, you can, you get two abilities in, a, in an ultimate. You could do two primers if you wanted to, or two detonators. You don't really want to do that because then you can't combo. But um, the, the idea is to have a primer that you hit an enemy with. And once they're primed, then you use a detonator and it sets off a combo. And that's kind of the idea. The primers, a lot of times, it's like you freeze them with some ice and then um, you hit them with lightning, like a lightning strike if you're storm. And that's like a, a detonator ability. Is it easy to tell, like, what is a detonator and what is a primer or is it just something you know or learn um so in the in the demo they had a few that were not labeled at all um which was a bug 
I believe. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, I felt it was pretty easy to tell. But they um, went ahead and took it a step further and changed the the little symbols that tell you which one it is to be even more like obvious. Um, for the, I saw it in a Reddit post um, during the demo, and uh, it was from the from the devs. And so in the full game, it's going to be a little bit easier to even, even than it was. But I didn't really feel like it was it was hard to tell by any means. Yeah. But so what do you, what do you get up to in the in the beta? What are, what are you doing between combat? Like between combat, you mean like between missions? Uh, well, what what is a normal mission? I guess that's the biggest part of the game. What's a normal mission feel like? be like a little cinematic before and then you would go out and you'd have an objective to go get this thing and honestly a lot of times i wasn't even paying that much attention to it i was just killing stuff and flying around and just having a blast with that in this demo so much um but a lot of times they um they had a few that had like puzzles in them and then one that had like these big bosses at the end and it was just it was a lot of fun i i really enjoyed it and then they also have like free play where you just go in and they have a bunch of dungeons that you go in uh and you go through and you fight a bunch of enemies a bunch of bad guys with your with your buddies and then at the end there's usually like a harder enemy or like a boss that you kill um and then there's a chest of loot that you get and you know there's just a lot of cool stuff to it i really like how it feels like i said it just feels polished now again i'm playing on pc i know they have some frame rate issues on consoles um that they're they said they've worked out for the launch of the game. Um, PC performance is not amazing, um, but on the PC I have, uh, it seems to do good enough to feel, you know, I get like a solid 70, 80 frames per second, and it just, it feels good. So did you get a sense of the journey or the story you'll be embarking on? Because Bioware is this acclaimed uh, storytelling developer from Knights of the Old Republic and uh mass effect one of my favorite trilogies of all time and they come from this lineage of storytelling and character building uh do you get a sense that there is any of that worthwhile or is it just more like shoot some things uh shoot some things with your friends you know i think it's it's hard to say at this point it definitely has the production quality and it has a lot of potential to be good um, they have some really good uh, voice acting at moments and other moments it feels like, eh, you know, it's not, they have, I know they have uh, Vic Sahay. I don't know if you ever watched anybody out there watch Chuck, uh, Jeff and Lester. It's Lester who plays one of the guys in there. Um, and then Jack McBrayer from 30 Rock also was the bartender, a few voices that I caught and a lot of it, a lot of it felt good. I like the world that they've built. Um, the idea behind the story sounds awesome, and so I really have high hopes for it, but I'm also re- remaining a little bit reserved um, because we just don't know a lot, and BioWare's never really tackled a project like this, so I think there's a lot of worry out there that maybe due to some of the, a lot of the new stuff that they're adding that they've never done before in a game, like all this multiplayer and co-op and um, I think there's a lot of concern that, you know, maybe a story could end up get, be kind of a back burner thing in this game, but that kind of just remains to be seen. Um, but from the demo, you know, the, the story that was there was very short. There were only three missions, um, and they, they were not long missions. And, um, <clears throat> so from that, it's, it's honestly hard to say what we're looking at. The demo, I played 30 hours of it because I'm crazy, but the truth is there wasn't a lot of content in the demo. And I think that's probably going to end up being the biggest issue with the launch of this game is people are going to blow through it and they've already told us what they have for in-game content and it's not going to be enough for people. So they're going to have to get more stuff out fast. Um, but it's got to be also obviously quality stuff. Um, 
but I mean, we'll wait and see. We're pretty close to the launch of the game. So we're going to find out exactly what all that is going to entail. I mean, that's pretty much it, man. I'm excited for Anthem. I think it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. Um, and I think, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people on both sides of that for this game. There's something about, I think the demo hurt it a lot more than it helped it, um, due to the Rocky launch of things. And the fact that, like I said, there was so little content in the demo, they had three missions and a stronghold and your free play. Um, and that was like, that was pretty much it. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got to say. They have some, some balancing things to work out with the different javelins, which is like the suit of armor that you wear. Um, for sure, Colossus was a little weak in the demo. Of course, they've said they've already addressed a lot of that in the full game. So I'm excited to see what, what comes of it. I am super excited. So you're you're for sure um, buying this game. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm EA Access Premier. I will have it on February 15th. Uh, do you have a, a Titan? A Titan? Excuse me. We'll talk <laughs> about why I called it a Titan in a second. Do you have a Javelin <laughs> that you prefer to go to? Uh, I super enjoy the storm, but I think he's, he's, he's maybe too good sometimes. Mm. Cause like, you know, I watched a bunch of, uh, guys on YouTube, like some Dantics and stuff like that, that are like really big into, uh, talking about Anthem stuff, just kind of trying to learn about the game for, for the demo came out. And, uh, they kept referring to storm as the glass cannon, like high damage dies easy. And like that's not accurate at all. Like, I heard that. Maybe when he's on the ground, maybe when he's on the ground. But when he's hovering, which he can hover for like an eternity, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but when he's hovering, he's got his shields are like boosted to like a ridiculous amount, and he's he's probably the he's tankier than the freaking Colossus. The Colossus dies faster than he does. Well, that's that's um, a problem. So, like I said, they've got some balancing issues, and the biggest ones are with Colossus. He's too weak. Um, Storm's a little too strong. So they have those two contrasts on the opposite extremes that make it like, whoa. Uh, so, so, but yeah, I think Storm's like my number one. Ranger's probably my number two. Ranger's a ton of fun. Um, made like glass. But, uh, right? no, that's the Interceptor. The Ranger is the one that actually kind of looks a little bit like an Iron Man dude. He's got the rockets that shoot, oh, off, he's his, like shoot the, off his shoulder or his back or whatever. Like the soldier, generic soldier glass. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, on the topic of games that are like Destiny, not not making an unfair comparison to Destiny, but the it's not like Destiny. The the Anthem sim- is not like Destiny. Uh, more more along the the <laughs> the looter shooter, looter shooter, the way that they've built their game, kind of like this Diablo lineage or Borderlands lineage, almost the okay. games as service. Um, you have played another games as service game uh that i am very excited about you've played the division two is this a beta or is this a this yes. is a beta this is the a beta. beta this is not a demo but it's funny that you say that because literally yesterday when i booted up the division two beta i was like man this feels like a completed feels- game it is so polished oh really the there is i didn't encounter one bug wow. while playing that now and i say that i only played for i don't know what was it maybe Four hours. I've been, four, I've been hearing hours, that there like is that. a peak around the four hour mark where there may be uh, an issue starting to occur with the at least the beta build of the division two. Okay, so maybe I am just about to get to that, but um, not regardless like one, compared to like like in one gameplay setting. I think they said they talked about like yeah. maybe a memory leak, memory leak problem or something. Oh, you know what? That actually makes sense. I did. I say no bugs. I did get kicked from the. And you get kicked like disconnected from the servers at the same spot twice. Oh, like the, 
Yeah, because I played through a few missions by myself, and then I played through them again uh, with Dubs. Uh, we were we were playing through it, and um, and literally, I was playing through the mission again. And right when we got to the same exact spot, it it disconnected both of us um, at the same spot it did the first time I went through it. So there must be something going on there, but it wasn't a crash, so it wasn't a memory leak that caused that. But mm. I'm interested to I hadn't seen that that uh that yet but regardless you know compared to like the anthem demo that we saw is so much better optimized it still needs a little optimization the frames are good not great i i'd even say oh maybe great but not not perfect um but it it runs really good feels really good feels super polished especially compared even compared to the first game like it feels good um that all being said there's a lot of freshness to this it feels a lot like division one in some ways mm-hmm. um just way more polished and tight and then it also has just this freshness to it because there's like this new environment you're not like in a snowy environment all the time you're there's like vines overgrown in dc the white house is like engulfed in brush and foliage of all different kinds and it's just it's just a different environment it feels fresh the guns feel tighter like when you're uh, firing the reticules are still a little bit big for my taste, but they like your line of fire, like your shots kind of stay towards the center of the reticule a lot better. It's like a little bit more accuracy than you had in the first game where it felt like these random recoil patterns. So it's kind of hard to do anything at range, especially with a full auto weapon. So like it just, the guns feel better. All that's better. I think so. My biggest complaint going into this before I'd even play the game um, was that like my biggest complaint about the first game was that there was so much walking. Like you just, you're just walking everywhere or you're really running, but still like you're running on foot all over the place and it just takes forever and it gets tiring. Um, I was a little upset to see that this was going to be the same, but I was a little bit proven wrong. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's true. You do walk, run everywhere just like the first one, but They've kind of populated this world, at least so so far, this is what it looks like. They've kind of populated this world a little bit differently. Um, the safe houses, so you have safe houses and you have settlements. And you can fast travel to both once you've discovered them. And they seem like they're a lot closer together, so there's not going to be as much running between points. And not only that, they've just populated the world with more interesting interactions. Because like in the Division One, when you're running around, if you see NPCs, it's either like, starving people or guys to shoot me food um yeah and you would only really see the jtf if like you did a mission or something like that in this one there's like a bunch of people who were just citizens that formed factions and rose up against the uh, like enemy factions excuse me and and you'll see them fighting in the streets and you can just run up and help them you know there's like it's just a little bit cooler interaction because you have them talking to you and and it's it felt a little more empty in the first game. It's just like you get there and you there's enemies and you fight them, but there was no real like dialogue. You know, it just adds a little bit different dynamic, makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, and then they have these like I forget what they call them. It's like a hideout or something like that, where it's like a basically a little area on the map that's controlled by a certain faction, and they'll be like controlled by an enemy faction, and you can go in there and take that like area. And, like, so once you launch an assault, there's be, like, some gold bar enemies uh, and some, like, the ones we, the one we did, there was, like, a dude on, like, a minigun and that thing, like, shreds you in two seconds. Uh, But we go in there and we're taking them out using our little seeker mine. It's, like, a little mine that rolls up and, like, just throws fire all over the dudes. 
And um, <clears throat> so we go in and take them out. And then once you like kill everybody, then you go up in there and you shoot your flare gun up into the sky. And when you shoot your flare gun in the sky, then like the all the like friendly factions uh, peoples will like start coming towards it. And you have to just hold the position till they get there, which doesn't take very long. Um, so you kill a few more guys, a few more like purple bar enemies. Um, and then you take the area after that happens. And then there's a bunch of little areas where they're all like different, like interactions that happen, uh, where you, when you're taking over, uh, the, the hideout or whatever. I, like I said, I can't remember what they call it, but, uh, but it's just really cool. It was really fresh. It was, uh, it surprised me cause I was kind of, I know a lot of people are really excited for this game, but I was a little bit skeptical. Um, but I I'm liking what I'm seeing. So I am a I'm a big Division One fan, and for those who don't know the the premise of Division is that there was an attack on the United States on Black Friday, where uh, some uh, terrorist group they don't say who uh, infected the money, the cash, the American dollar with. Yeah. Uh, uh, a disease and a lot of people have right. died from it. It's it's this big plague. So the first game takes place in like New York. And since it's black Friday, New York's in this perpetual Christmas winter. And I loved yeah. the setting of that. And where you had a problem with the walking around, I loved it so much. Just it felt yeah. lonely. It felt isolated. Uh, the few times that you went into like apartment buildings, it felt like run down and, and ransacked. Um, you are correct with like the NPCs, like they only wanted water or food. Uh, and then you yeah, give it to them and, and they give you like a jacket, which doesn't make sense. You get you get like <laughs> yeah. clothes or guns, yeah. which is not a good trade for water or food. Um, yeah. But I loved that environment so much to see it switch to Washington, D.C. It's in the summer. Uh, This isn't a spoiler, but your, like, main base of operations is the White House. Um, Do you think that this setting feels as unique as, like, perpetual Christmas in New York, but, like, an abandoned New York? Do you think that this holds up to that setting? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, it, I, I can't really speak to what you loved about it. I did not dislike it. All I was saying was that this one is fresh. Yeah. Because once you play that game long enough, it just gets stale. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do think it absolutely holds up because it still has that, like, for lack of a better term, like, lived-in look. Like, it's been, everything's been torn to pieces and... Um, and it's like something seriously crappy happened here and it seems like it's been a little while that it's been like that and it just has like a a character to it. Um, that really, I think does absolutely live up to what the first game did. You're giving me goosebumps. I I literally have goosebumps. That sounds amazing. (laughs) I love the division one so much that I'm excited to be in this world again. Uh, I think a problem a lot of people had with the original division is that the enemies were humans. They're not like superhumans or nothing crazy. They're just regular guys with guns. Uh, But at times they felt very bullet spongy. 
Uh, do they resolve that in this one, or is it about the same feeling from from an enemy standpoint? So they they did address it. I thought the whole argument to begin with was kind of dumb, personally, yeah. but no disrespect to anyone who feels that way. Um, to me, it's like it's an RPG. It's you know, it's whatever. Yeah. I never really had a problem with it, but um, they do address it. So like some of the gold bar enemies that I was talking about, when you're when you're like dumping rounds into them. They have like visible armor on that you can see. Like that's seriously like beefy armor. Um and once you unload enough bullets into them, the armor like pops off of them. And once it pops off, they die really yeah. fast. Like a normal person would. Uh so that was kind of their way of addressing it. And I mean it feels right. I think it's a good decision. I I don't I just never had a problem with the way the first one was. But yeah, this is better. Like no doubt. Um but yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job. Uh, a, a small complaint that I had with the original was that there wasn't a lot of distinction between different uh, skill trees you could go down. You don't pick a class, per se, in the Division 1. You kind of just head down skill trees. Uh, do you feel right. like there is a differentiation in the skill trees, or do you actually pick a class? I'm not, I actually haven't paid too much attention to it because I want to be surprised. So- yeah, so you, I mean, from what I play, you don't pick a class. Um, it, it seems on the surface a bit similar to the first one, but I cannot confirm that because truth is I just didn't play yeah. enough. And and there's also uh, some limitations to what you can unlock in the beta. And, uh, you know, so I, I didn't get to experiment with that a whole lot, so I can't really speak to it too much, but I'm sure we'll be able to talk a lot more about that when the game launches. I know that the end game that they have talked about, like once you max out your character you kind of pick a gun for your class like like a scouty class will have a 50 cal sniper and another class has a crossbow and another class has a grenade launcher uh so i'm hoping they do a good job at differentiating uh classes because that's the best part of rpgs uh to me personally yeah and yeah, and it's funny because, like, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, like, I went into playing this beta just literally knowing nothing about this game. I haven't watched any gameplay footage. I haven't looked at any videos. I haven't done any reading. Literally, all of my experience has literally just been from playing. Uh, so, I, I really, I didn't even know that. Awesome. So, I'm very excited about that game. I will definitely be talking about that when it comes out uh, March 15th, I think it is. March 15th is the date. Is that what it I is? I believe it's March 15th. Uh, really coming close to Anthem, which is a similar uh, structure game. So it'll be interesting to see how those two fare with each other. Um, I hope they, I wish yeah, them both success. Sure. I want both uh, teams to do well. I love, I love Bioware and I love the team who made the division at Ubisoft. Uh, so good wishes to both of those. Uh, speaking of teams that I want to see, do well uh jordan respawn entertainment had a a big announcement on monday uh dude it blew my mind it started to leak out around friday saturday it was it was stuff leaking but but you saw it and i saw it and we both played it on monday uh what what happened on monday jordan oh on monday on Monday, I didn't even know what was happening. And you were like, dude, look at what's happening. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And basically, they just dropped a bomb on us. I mean, they were just showing this game that like looks really cool, sounds really cool, 
Um, but that probably won't be out for, you know, another six months to a year. And then they're like, boom, it's ready right Today. now. And I was like, what? So I was like, I just couldn't wait to get home from work and, and uh, get it installed and start playing, dude. That was, it was, it was really so cool. So the game we were referencing is Apex Legends by Respawn Entertainment. And Respawn is most famous and I think only famous for the Titanfall franchise. Uh, Titanfall 1 yeah. and 2. Uh, Titanfall 2 is definitely a very beloved game, even though uh, financially it didn't do as well as its inter- uh, its contemporaries like Call of Duty Battlefield. Um, but right. Titanfall is doing very interesting things in the shooter genre by making you very mobile and very fast. Uh, and you can run on walls and you can drop giant robot mechs out of the sky to... But not in Apex Legends. But not in Apex Legends. So Apex Legends is set in the Titanfall universe. uh, And it's a battle royale. It's three-person squads. You have to play in squads. um, Which I like, that teamwork focus. And it's 60 players right now. They've talked about wanting to add some more. Uh, I think they could and be fine. So the big selling point of Apex Legends is, one, free-to-play. Two, it's out right now. So they yeah. they announced and launched on a Monday. The gameplay stuff they showed looked amazing. Uh, oh, it's also uh, hero-based. So you pick a character at the beginning, and you have certain abilities as that character. You function in different ways than other characters. Uh, so that's the main overview of the game. And Jordan, me and you have both been playing this a whole heck of a lot. Yes, we have. Uh, I think it's safe to say we both love it. I think we both are very infatuated with it at the moment. Yes. Um, What is it in your thoughts that make this stand out from other battle royales, if it does, in your opinion? Oh, it definitely does. There's something about it. So, okay, PUBG, when PUBG came out, I played... I played a lot, but to be honest, a lot of that was due to it's what my friends were playing, you know? Um, and I was, I put like a hundred hours into it and a hundred hours. I did not win one game, not one. And I got frustrated with it. They changed up some stuff and some updates. The guns didn't even feel right anymore. I was done with it. And ever since then, every time I pick up a battle royale game, even though I'm like, this is pretty good. I get bored if I bench play it. You know, I can play like three, four or five matches tops. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Maybe I'll come back to it another day. But something about Apex Legends, man, when I play that game, I can just keep going and going and going. And it just, I just never want to, I'm never like, I'm done with this. It I know it hasn't been out that long, but it, I'm telling you with the other games, it doesn't take that long. It's just so fresh and so original. There's a lot of originality to it for a BR game with the ping system probably being one of the most revolutionary things about it, which I mean... even though this was done in 2011 with Portal 2, if you remember, you yes. could kind of like ping, but no one's used it since. Why? I don't know. But Respawn did, there, and they're brilliant for it. There has been like minor ping systems. I think uh, Call of Duty Blackout had a ping system added in where you could like ping guns on the ground that were like you think your friends would want. But uh, to explain the pinging in this game, it's all at least for controllers. I think it's very controller friendly that I'm playing on Xbox one X. Uh, it's mapped to the right bumper. 
and you just look at a place and you hit the right bumper and contextually it will say your character in game will tell the other characters in game what you want to do. So if you're just pointing at a location, it'll say like, let's go there. If you are pointing at an item, it'll say, hey, shields level three here. Uh, yeah, and it's so descriptive. That's the best part about it. It's so descriptive, and they, they they put so much time into the voice acting to have enough lines yeah. to make everything descriptive. Uh, you can ping enemy locations. So if you double tap the right bumper, it'll say like, "Hey, I think enemies are over here." And if you're on an enemy and double tap it, it'll it'll actually point them out to your party. Uh, which is very important when it comes to a game that forces you into squads, whether you want to or not. There's no solos. There's no duos. You have to be in a three-man squad. Uh, And I think they do something very important at the beginning of the game, which I'll let Jordan talk about, that really emphasize how how much it wants you to play as a team, even though you don't always want to play with strangers. So, yeah, yeah. So... Like right at the start of the game, right? So you have three three man squads and you you gotta pick the hero that you wanna play as. They'll have different abilities and stuff. And um the third person to pick, which it seems like it seems like it's kinda random what order you pick in. Seems seems um, random. But the third person who picks, the last pick on the squad, because you can't have like two of the same hero. So like if you're the third person, you might not get who you were looking to play or something like that. But the third person is the what they call a jump master. So like when when you load into the map, you're like everybody's picked their characters and you're flying over the map just like you would in most other BR games. Um, <clears throat> everybody can like ping a suggested location of where they might want you to drop. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you're the jump master. So nobody jumps until you jump. So once you guys agree on a location, you just on, I'm on uh, PC. So you just hit E and he jumps out of the ship and it's, it's like this really cool thing because all three of you are like tethered together so only the jump master can control like where you're going. You can like hold control and they'll branch off and you can like go your own way. But the whole idea is that you kind of need to stay together. This game, like the guns are so low damage. Like you got to hit your shots. One and two team, team firing and focus fire is like critical. Um, but anyway, so everybody flies together and you land at a spot and it's like, it just works. It's so smart. It's intuitive. And just like, why has no one else done this? I think the jump master system kind of like sets this mental standard of, oh, I have to I have to go out of my way to be a jerk, to not play as a squad, to right. go lone wolf, because you you legitimately have to hold down a button to say, like, I'm going to go off on my own if you're not the jump master. And even from the uh plane that drops you you can ping locations that you think you want to go to you can uh communicate with the jump master at that point and say hey i think we should go here uh they do smart stuff on the map where every map there is a different high loot zone high loot quality zone i think they call it like a high tier loot or something like that high tier loot it's something like that but there's a blue uh circle on the map and in that circle you know that there will be high tier loot. So it's going to be a hot drop every time. Uh, there is, uh, I'm going to call it the gunboat. It's like this floating uh, ship that you can see its ending location on the map, but it starts at a random location on the outskirts of the map. Yeah. So you can actually jump from the plane to the gunboat uh, 
from there's the always jump. like good stuff on there there's good stuff on there you're guaranteed to fight if you want to fight uh i think it's so smart because you don't end up with a tilted tower situation uh you don't end up with a firing rain situation or a nuketown situation from blackout where there's only one hot spot to always go because <clears throat> you have these moving points of high loot yeah uh, I think this game just does a lot of smart things. It takes out the wall running from Titanfall. It takes out the Titans from Titanfall. But even without those two things, the gunplay of Titanfall is so tight that it's still super enjoyable to use. And it adds this extra layer when it comes to picking your characters. So, for example, one of the characters is Bangalore. And every character has a passive ability, a tactical ability, and an ultimate ability. So your passive is something to always do. So Bangalore, when she gets shot at by enemies, she runs faster for a couple seconds. Very helpful for escape, very helpful to get out of the way and reset and find where your enemies are. Her technical ability is she has two smoke shields, which I have never used smoke so much in a shooter. I don't know why it is, but the smoke in this game is so effective at whether you want to flank. Uh, you can if you have a shotgun, you can jump into the smoke and like duke it out with the people in the smoke. Um, you can team up with another character ability called uh, the character is Bloodhound. And his ability is to uh, send out a ping that will highlight enemies for your team, which is super useful in the smoke because now you have a distinct advantage over your enemies. Yeah, uh-huh. but the one thing about that is his like uh, eye of the all father. I think is what they call it. it like, yeah. it marks the like the immediate position they were when you pinged them. But like they could have moved in like that but half a second. Moved. But yeah. his his like ultimate ability, his mm-hmm. ultimate ability, he can see through the smoke. So you can actually yes. just use his ultimate ability, and he can just like you can just wail on him. But that's only for him. Uh, yeah, true. The team the team can't see that. Uh, it seems like every character is very balanced. Uh, yeah. I don't know about. I don't know about you, Jordan, but I, I haven't found a character that's like uh, <clears throat> that character like needs to be picked all the time. There's no team without this character. Uh, if I run into this character, I'm not like, oh, God, it's this character. Um, I think everything right now seems very balanced. There is definitely stuff they can tweak, but my only real uh, like complaint about a character so far is Caustic because um, mm-hmm. he's such a big target and he's not yes. he he just he always gets focused on first and he, he does the same amount of health as everyone else, but he's yeah. like this big, big dude and he doesn't really have anything to combat that. Um, where like, I know me and you talked about like, like Gibraltar has, uh, he's a big guy too, but, and he has the same amount of health as everybody, but he has like these, this like arm shield and, uh, like some other cool abilities that can like help kind of mitigate that issue or yeah. caustic doesn't have any of that. And that's probably really my only complaint, but to be honest, it's a pretty small complaint overall. Small. They're excellent. All the characters, all the heroes, the legends, as they call them, it, excellent. It feels so good. Uh, if you are on the fence about this game, I'd say why? Because it's free. And you just really have to slide down a hill once <laughs> to, yeah. to know what this game is about. And it's about fun. It's about speed. It's about flow. Uh, and it just feels so good. It is free to play, so there is monetization. Um it's not the worst I've seen. It's not the best I've seen. Yeah. Uh, so right now they have uh, a store where you can buy specific skins. 
for your guns, for your characters, uh, for coins right out. Um, everything else is done through loot boxes. And from what I hear, uh, the level cap is 100 for your character or for your account level, but you only get 45 loot boxes until you get to 100 or you get 45 loot boxes on the way to 100. Okay. Um, so I will have to wait on my final judgment on how good the monetization is uh, by what they do with their battle pass, which they have announced for next month. They haven't yeah. announced any details about it, but hopefully that comes with a lot of loot boxes and uh, exclusive loot. Uh, I know I'll be buying it. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Just just because I'm having so much fun with this game and it's almost like a tip jar for the yeah. uh, for respawn at that point yeah and that's the thing like i i was a little bit bummed out like when i saw they did the loot box model but at the same time i can give them a bit of a break because dude the game's free you know what i'm saying yeah. mm-hmm. so i mean i can give them a bit of a break on that but it's not my favorite monetization model um but they do you know to be fair they do have a store where you can buy specific cosmetics and like you said the battle pass the battle pass can really like really make this game it's already something great but man it can make it something that's just like it's just unkillable you know what i mean it's just it could make it something that's going to be around for a really long time it's it's been on the top of steam ever since it launched usually like doubling or tripling fortnite's numbers which is its main competitor right now you mean twitch twitch steam sorry it's not good (laughs) uh it's not on steam it's on ea Uh, EA origin yep uh so i think it's gonna do great things from the community it seems to be in a great place from streamers it seems to be in a great place and people who play it generally seem to enjoy it a lot so i hope this game's around to stay i really love playing it and i loved playing it so much that i went ahead and bought titanfall 2 finally because it was on sale uh it's a great game the microsoft store and everybody has been raving about this campaign um and you're like the only one who hasn't played it when this game's been out for like three years I'm apparently the only one who hasn't played the Titanfall <laughs> 2 campaign. So legitimately, I got home from work today, sat down, and I'm pretty sure I'm like one or two missions away from being done with the campaign. Yeah. Uh, this campaign just does a lot of ballsy stuff. Uh, I think it feels like Titanfall, which is good. Playing in a Titan feels good. Your 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 man, BT. Uh, oh, yeah. And... Can I just spoil this, what it does? It's been three years, right? I can just it's been, spoil it. It's been three years. Spoiler warning. Spoiler alert. Spoil yes. a game that's three years old and is like five hours long. Um, they do a lot of interesting stuff with their level mechanics. Uh, it just seems like every level has a different mechanic. Um, there is a one level you go through where you're going through this factory that's literally building... like like test facilities that are kind of like this ar experience type thing where you just do like battle testing for your soldiers or your militia or whatever and you're literally riding along this conveyor belt and this house is being around you and then the house gets put in its place but it's sideways so you have to climb this town that's sideways yeah and it's just crazy and mind-blowing and I think the craziest part I've seen so far has to be the 
time manipulation. Oh yeah, dude, that was so okay. Have you ever heard of an older game called Singularity? Yes. Have yes, you played I have. it? I don't believe so. Oh, dude, Singularity is the hidden gem. It's like one of those games that I feel like everybody kind of missed, but it is a fantastic story. But that's all there is to it. It's really like a six-hour story, and that's the whole game. But I think I I picked it up. It was like at a GameStop like four or five years ago, it feels like. And I saw this game, and it was cheap. It's like $3. And I was like, mm, I'll buy it, whatever. I didn't know anything about it. Singularity. It was like probably my game of the year that year and it probably was already out for a few years at that point it was really good and the main mechanic in it was the exact thing that you're talking about that time manipulation from titanfall 2 like the whole story is you have this device you're using it like between uh like fighting dudes and then you use it you disappear go back in time or whatever it's just it was really cool man and uh and they basically used uh, kind of the same mechanic in there and just yeah it it it's awesome it's yeah, really so you cool show, you show up in this facility and like your character starts teleporting between time. Uh, so you go back to the past and you pop back to the future. And at first you can't control it. Um, so it's kind of introducing you to the idea of what you can do. And then you get the ability to control it. And it's it's very easy to access. It's on the, the left bumper. And you can literally go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between time. So they start to do this interesting stuff with there's enemies in both time periods, so you're kind of bouncing back and forth fighting in these different times. Um, and you can do these really cool things because there's people with shields, so you're standing in front of them, you're getting shot, and you bounce back in time, and then you run to the spot that is behind them, and then you pop back into their time, and then you just blow them away with a shotgun. And yeah. it feels it feels amazing. It you're feels like a so time cool. space ninja. Like, I it's just pretty want- sick. I just want an entire game that does stuff like that. And let me tell you, it wasn't that Remedy game. What was it? Quantic Dream? No, that's the developer. What was that game, Jordan? What game are you talking about? Uh, The one where you played as the guy who could control time and you had a gun. Quantum Break. Quantum Break. I think that was Remedy. That was I knew it was Remedy. Uh, I said Quantic Dream, which is the developers of Detroit. Quantum Break, Quantic Dream, you know. Yeah. Um, I never played that game. That game didn't do it for me. I think, I, th- I honestly think Respawn could make an entire game kind of based around this time mechanic. Uh, oh, yeah. That said, Titanfall 2 is, is excellent. I'm sure everybody else but me knew that uh, at this point. Um, so I'm glad I finally got around to playing it. I just uh, wish there was a player base on PC for the multiplayer because the multiplayer is a blast, but there's just no player base on Origin for it, really. I mean, it takes like five, ten minutes to get into a game, and it's a real it's a shame because it's such a good game. It just released kind of at a bad time. It got released right between Call of Duty and Battlefield. Battlefield. One, yeah, I think it was I Battlefield One. Yeah, properly. And and that like, why would EA do that? Release two shooters so close? I don't know. It was just kind of a it was just kind of a bummer because the game was really good, um, and Respawn did such a good job with it, and it just it just didn't make those numbers. But I, you know, the real hope is that this Apex Legends is going to really put the attention on this Titanfall universe and really just launch it where it needs to be because Respawn, they're probably one of my favorite developers right now because they have just done such a good job with every game that they've made, and they got Jedi Fallen Order supposedly coming up this year, I think is what I hear. And I'm excited to see what they're doing with that because uh, that just... They just have done such a good job with everything that they've put their hands on. Vince Sampella, who is the 
the founder, I think he's the founder of Respawn, has said that this wasn't the only thing in the Titanfall universe that is planned for this year. Uh, so there's some there's something else they haven't announced yet. They got, they got some cookies in the oven. Got some got some stuff in the oven. I'm excited to see what that is. I can't wait to play their next game, and their next game just came out. Yeah, uh, and there's. Yeah, we we even talked about it a little bit like when you play Apex Legends, like there's so much like love and care put into this game. Oh, like yeah. you can tell that they were passionate about this project and they really like they poured out everything into it and it just shows. Like the game is so polished, it feels so good and it's just got so many good ideas going for it. It's just it's got a bright future ahead. It's so easy to think that in the age where Battle Royale is like the zeitgeist and I think we're coming down from that that you just kind of like poop out a battle Royale, uh, throw out a battle Royale. Cause it'll make you money. Um, yeah, but that's not, that's not what this feels like at all. It actually feels like they set out to make something yeah. special. Yeah. This uh, is no money grab. It, it doesn't feel like it. And I think obviously what, they're going to make money from it because it's not, it doesn't feel like a money grab. It's great. I think that's what I can say about Fortnite is like Fortnite. Eh, it felt like a money grab at first, but Fortnite doesn't feel greedy as like a monetization system and it feels like the developers enjoy making Fortnite stuff and you know as as much as i don't care for the gameplay of Fortnite, i mean it has done a really good thing for for the gaming industry and it's kind of changed it forever for the better um so i do have to give it credit where credit is due because i mean like you said their their monetization model is great um, how active they are with seasons and updates and changing and just yeah. livening up the game. They just set a bar, uh, and it looks like Respawn is looking to set that bar higher, and it just I'm excited about it. I, I hope to see that bar get set as high as possible because the, there's no better, there's no other developer I'd wish to see success uh, than Respawn. I think they deserve so much uh, respect, and I hope they get it with this one. Uh, speaking of speaking of Fortnite, uh, whereas the people making Fortnite seem to be making good decisions that are good for the gaming industry, uh, the same team that is behind the Epic Store seems to be making questionable decisions. Yeah, so there's definitely been some a bit of an a bit of an upset about uh, especially in the PC world about the Epic Game Store. Um so they're they're doing something that's good for developers. They're giving them a bigger cut. Um but the idea that's really not so consumer friendly is this idea of making things exclusive to a platform. And uh a big one that really really hurt was Metro Exodus. And they, you know, a few a few weeks before it's supposed to launch, I think it launches on the fifteenth, if I remember correctly. It and launch, it launches next week. Yeah, and and they they pulled it from Steam and uh, made it exclusive to the Epic Store. While you know it's fifty versus sixty dollars, but you know there's some issues with the Epic Store. You know, it's 2019 and we don't have cloud saves. I know they're in the works on getting that. They also have some security issues and things like that. But beyond all that, honestly, there's nothing gamers, especially PC gamers, hate more than having their hand forced. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the community is pretty upset about this one. Uh, And that would include myself. I'm not too happy about it. Um, 
one of the guys over at 4A Games, the developer of Metro Exodus, actually uh, made a, a post about uh, his feelings on the matter, and he basically said, well, if this doesn't sell well on PC, we're not going to make any more Metro games for PC. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to be fair, 4A Games officially did come out and say that that is not their view on things, and Metro will always have a place on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this upset a lot of people because it kind of felt a bit like uh, blackmail. And, um, you know, it just kind of put a bad taste in everyone's mouth, I think, yep. um, about this game. And really paints kind of an uncertain future on how this is going to go now the game's only exclusive to the epic game store for one year um but i mean the big things i think that upset people most are like on steam we're used to having like good community forums we're used to having our um steam marketplace we're used to having uh, you know obviously cloud saves and just trading cards and badges and just all the stuff that steam brings to the table that's missing from something like the Epic Game Store. And now everybody who pre-ordered the game on Steam, because it was available for pre-order on Steam, they let them keep their pre-orders, so they're still going to get the game on Steam, but no one else can get it on Steam until the exclusivity deal is up. And it's just kind of a crappy thing to do. It's not really good for consumers, um, and it it just doesn't feel good. Yeah, it's... I'm used to exclusives, but I think the majority of exclusives that you think about when it comes to game consoles a la God of War, a la Halo, a la Gears. They are made by the people making the box uh, or the first party of the people making the box generally. Um, So it's very weird to see the situation in which a free market should take over and you should put it on both stores and then the consumer decides which store deserves its money. Uh, and you are, you, you've spent money on marketing on steam. You've had steam market your game for you. It, yeah. Like Metro Exodus is no small game. Uh, oh, it's, no. it's, it's huge. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about Metro Exodus. Uh, and it looks amazing. It looks awesome. So it's, it's a real shame to see this like kind of black cloud come over what was going to be like just a great day um, in in games from preview events, from everything. It just seems like Metro Exodus was going to be amazing. And I think it's such a bummer that Epic feels like it can't stand on its own because it doesn't have the features of Steam. Uh, cloud features were integrating the Steam in what, 2000. 2010 it was a, it was a I, while I honestly ago. have no idea but they it's, just it's become been, such a staple it's been ubiquitous like xbox has cloud saves playstation has cloud saves uh nintendo kind of has cloud saves origin and has cloud saves if you're Movies, not if you're you play has cloud saves and yeah. nearly every other launcher it seems like that people actually use on pc has cloud saves <clears throat> this is a ubiquitous feature that your service is missing not that a lot of not that everybody's going to use cloud saves but then you're also missing achievements. You're missing. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a big one. You're missing a lot of stuff that Steam has, including like Steam's micro game things with their trading cards and their marketplace. And you're missing a lot of features that gamers want. Um, and I think if you would have stuck your guns without pulling the exclusive card, I think Epic could have been a great service in time. Um, but you. 
felt like Steam was still going to beat you, I guess. So you paid a little money to Foray Games or I don't know. I don't know who they are. Deep Silver, whoever it was. Yeah. Um, And you got them to give you exclusive rights. And it kind of sucks as a non-PC gamer to see that happen because there was such an opportunity for a good competitor to Steam that wasn't like producer owned like EA Origin or UB Play or Uplay. Uh, yeah, but this kind of like just sours everybody on it. The majority of people, I think, are just soured by this because it it it, it kind of sucks. Like Epic did not make that game. Uh, Epic almost bribes people to put the games on their service exclusively and the customers lose choice. And I think anytime you lose choice, it's a net negative, especially when you have companies like Microsoft who seem to be wanting to expand player choice by putting all their games on PC, by doing a lot of crossplay stuff, by releasing the Xbox Live SDK to Nintendo Switch and iOS and Android. When you have a lot of people trying to expand the reach of games, when you close your fist on it, it just seems really greedy and not cool. And I think this really probably for the for the time being puts a dent in the Epic Store growth uh cycle just because of the black cloud that's hanging over it. Yeah, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and uh, see how that plays out. And, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to, to see how it goes. I, I hope the best for four games. I hope they sell a lot because from what uh, Deep Silver has said, it was their decision, not four A's. Uh, right. So they're just kind of like taking it on the chin as a developer. Like, I think, developers yeah, I think tend to do. I think even in one of the Twitter posts that that Twitter post that for games where they where they said, you know, Metro always has a place on PC. They even uh, came out and in, in a way kind of even said, you know, go go complain to these guys at Deep Silver. And uh, there's another there's another company name in there. I can't remember off the top of my head that has their hand in this. Um, that's not Epic um, and not Deep Silver and not for games, but I can't remember what it is. Um, and they were basically just like, you know, go complain to them. You know, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I think that uh, I think that kind of wraps it up. Yeah. Was there anything else you want to talk about? I think that's it. I think we did. All right. It. All right. Well, uh, thank you for each and every one. If anyone that listened to this podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, before we go, if you do oh. have questions for us, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we have an email set up at buttonkeygames at gmail.com. Uh, you can send questions in and we'll have uh, we'll have a small email segment when we start to get those questions rolling in. We'd love to hear from anybody who is interested in what we have to say. Uh, so, yeah, we're Button Key and we will see you next time.